of the Sandbox Podcast, a platform where we learn to lead well with other leaders. Oh boy, I'm excited. Are you? Live from the good land, it is your boy, Tyler Richardson. And you know, we're pumped that you're back listening to us. I'm actually very shocked at the responses I get and the people who either, you know, message me or email or whatever. And they, uh, first of all, people listen to this and plus you're really encouraged and you're actually, some people are doing it with their teams and like it's like a group activity and that's awesome because usually I just vent to my wife in the car, you know, either over my fries being not salty or whatever. And, you know, to people to care about what I have to say is pretty cool because you know what when we all care about what each other says um you know makes a very loud conversation who wants to be a part of a silent conversation Uh, so today all right what we're going to talk about is the red chair all right now we're going to get to what the red chair means but first before i do that i want to kind of set up a prologue type of atmosphere and basically what's happening in the world of leaders right now is there's a very specific catchphrase. The world of leadership is all about catchphrases, as I'm sure you're well aware of. Uh, Team building, you know, all that stuff. Catchphrases are what we wallpaper our, you know, minds with. And what I wanted to talk about specifically was the catchphrase that we've kind of leached onto is be the leader that you needed. You know, that, that usually takes on different forms, like be the leader you needed growing up or be better than the person that was, be better for the person, you know, below you that you needed when you were coming up, you know, all those different facets. But that's basically the idea of be for somebody else what you needed them to be for you. And I want to kind of slant that a little bit uh, to the idea of teamwork. And and this is going to be our catchphrase for this example is be the team member, you know, be and, and so everything, and obviously this is, we're all in the leadership world, so whenever I say member of a team, I, I'm really meaning a leader among other leaders, but it's just harder to say, and then it sounds like I'm just kind of like, you know, mumbling, because I already have a mumbling issue, which I'm told about a lot, so I'm trying to overcome it, so I'm trying to not use words that are going to enhance the mumbability. So our catchphrase is going to be, be a member of the team that you need those team members to be for you, okay? Be the member of your team that you need all of those other members in that team to be for you. Now, this is what I mean by that. Uh, Usually, a lot of times what happens is we kind of just give everybody their quote-unquote space, but it's usually just because it's space we don't really care about. And what a lot of times what causes so much friction in the team is that you really need the ability to, abilities and in their own interests. And a lot of times what can keep each other from really respecting each other is that Everybody doesn't do just the basic things that we all need to get done for each other. Nobody is really, you know, 
you know, no person is an island, but no leader is an island, and no team is an island. No, no section of a company or organization is an island to itself. It's it's all part of a bigger picture and a bigger scale. So everything, even on the practical level of emails, like you can't just not respond to emails. You can't not respond to texts. Obviously, in the hours of office hours, which are normal office hour times, I'm not talking about the psychopaths who want a text or a graph at 3 a.m. I'm talking about just normal people. In those capacities, people who, you know, hey, it, do you have any questions? No, I don't have any questions. Two weeks go by. Hey, how's this going? Oh, I don't I don't really know because I didn't really know what I was supposed to do. Oh, but two weeks ago, you said you didn't have any questions. Those are the types of things I'm talking about. I'm talking about building a, a realm of, of leadership that is uh, able to really live up to its possibilities and its potential. And the only way that really happens is that if you, me, us decide that we want to be the members of our team, that we need all the other members to be for us, which means things like, I heard, I heard this statement one time and I thought it was great. And I really think it applies to stuff like this is that your emergency is not my emergency. And my emergency is not your emergency. And this is what that means. Uh, if I decide to not read my emails for a week, and then the following Monday I come up and I see that there's an urgent email. Okay, well, me deciding to not read that email and to be slack on my end doesn't now mean that everybody now has to go into urgent mode because I was was slack. Does that make sense? Meaning just because I didn't do what I was supposed to do doesn't mean that now you have to now take on the burden and the weight of what I didn't do just because I didn't do it. Uh, I'm, I'm, so when I say my emergency is your emergency, that's what I mean. That it, That's all under the umbrella of the idea that we have to be the team members of the team that we need everybody else to be for us. And with that, I wanna, I wanna tell a story uh, uh, getting ready for Lee University homecoming, which is this little, uh, college in the beautiful hills of Tennessee. And, uh, we're about to have a homecoming and it's like a celebration of like all the awesomeness that is the school. And, uh, I was a Lee, you know, I loved it. I stayed probably too long, but you know, it is what it is. Uh, but uh, awesome time, awesome memories, horrible memories, but also awesome memories because, you know, that's just the way the world works. And uh, there's a group in, involved with Homecoming that I was a part of called Campus Choir. And in that group, um, there was a director that was over it for, for many, many years. And basically kind of, it was a, originally a choir that just kind of sang around the campus, hence the name Campus Choir. And then it, it grew to where, you know, it traveled and sang at Brooklyn Tabernacle and, and all these really cool places and all this stuff. And he kind of took charge and ownership of this choir and, and made it into something that was amazing. And he, he passed in 2006 and uh, a member of the choir that I was in with made a statement one time about him. And he said, the thing about Dr. Horton was if he came into a room and let's say there was a black chair in that room. Okay, and he came into that room and all of us were in this room. There's this black chair there and somebody that's very dignified is also in the room with us and they look at this chair and they go, what a lovely black chair. And that's just a great black chair for whatever reason you would say that. That's, you know, this for the sake of the story. Look at this. This is a great black chair. And Dr. Horton, if he looked at that chair and goes, oh, no, that chair is not black. That chair is red. 
all of us, you basically have two schools of thought. You would have one school of thought and be like, Dr. Horton, you're crazy. This is obviously a black chair. Like, we see it's black. Like, this is clearly a black chair. There's another school of thought that would hear Dr. Horton say, oh, this chair isn't black, this chair is red. And instead of telling Dr. Horton, no, Dr. Horton, this, this chair is actually black, it's not red, you would then come when nobody was around and you would paint that chair red. You notice the difference? There's, there's one school of thought that looks at a leader in a room and says, that basically hears one train of thought and goes, yeah, that's it. That's the only way to do it. That's the only way to succeed. That's the only way that this can work. That's the only way uh, that this whole situation can be fruitful. And then there's somebody else that comes as a leader in that room that gives a completely opposing view. And you can either look at that opposing view and go, eh, nah, we're kind of going to stick with what's over here. Or you can change what's going on in that environment by your own efforts to line up with what is possible. Does that make sense? You can, you can either go, oh, yeah, that's a good point. We'll do that. Or you can be like, no, you know what? This chair actually would, you know, now that I look at it, kind of is red. What are you talking about, bro? No, obviously this chair is black. Well, don't you worry because I'm going to come behind hours and then I'm going to, by my efforts, change this situation. So when you come back tomorrow, nobody can, you know, negotiate or argue over the fact that now this chair is red. We can do that with our teams. We can be people and members of teams that all the other members of those teams can then turn around and be for us. But somebody has to start that ripple. Somebody has to start that chain reaction. Somebody has to be the one with the paintbrush in their hand to do that. Somebody has to be the one that, you know, when the ball's in my hand, when the email is sent to me, I'm going to make sure it is sent back correctly. When somebody puts, uh, you know, a little bit of additional pressure on me, I'm going to make sure I stay polite and full of kindness. And when somebody puts a microphone in my hand, I'm going to kill that opportunity and not stutter and, and dilly-daddle around. And, and there's all these things. There's people, all of us taking responsibility so that when somebody else needs us, we have built in ourselves an environment that makes sure that they get something awesome in return. And they will then repay that to us. So instead of us having a culture where our teams and the leaders that we lead around are basically constantly frustrated because, well, I'm basically a better leader than so-and-so because I do this better. And well, well, I think I'm a leader that's better than so-and-so because I do it this way and they're uptight and I'm chill. And, and then, oh, well, you know, I'm the quickest with emails. Well, your emails are stupid. You know what I'm saying? It's just constantly back and forth. But if we can be team, mem we can be members of the team that we would like all the other members of the team to be for us, we can be those red chair scenarios. We can be those people that in a moment where we say it's always like this and we never, you know, discuss a possibility that it could be better or more fine-tuned or better efficient, we come in and we hear an idea. So you, for one part of that story, you're the person who stands up and has the boldness to say it could be another way. You also are have the potential to be somebody that could hear the idea of it being a new way and doing something about it. And that's, and you know, earlier in the podcast, I used to talk about uh, two test logic. And there's always two tests going on, the test somebody else is doing and the one you are also doing in response or, you know, in tandem with them or in opposition of them. There's always two tests going on. And so 
I basically just want to encourage everybody. We can be the voice of change and we can also be somebody that amens the voice of change, but that's never going to work if we don't decide to be members of the team that all the other members of the team would want to be for us. That has to do with taking personal responsibility. And if we all take that personal responsibility and feel like we're not going to get shorthanded by the other people around us, that they're actually going to help you know, we're not going to give them something awesome and then give us something half-hearted in return, which is usually what makes us kind of want to hold back. But if we really believe that everybody is going to hold up their weight and do what they want to do and what they're positioned to do, then all of us will be so much better for it. Do you agree? I know you do. Oh, I know you do. So thank you so much. Check us out. Uh, at on Instagram, uh, at on We In The Sandbox. Uh, that's under Zealot Records at wezealots.com. Yeah. Whole bunch of other stuff coming in the works. We're so pumped, we're so stoked. We're getting this journey going off the right way. You are a good leader and you have what it takes. So let's remember to play nice in the sandbox. The world is changing at a rate like never before. So why is an education? Strayer University is revolutionizing higher education to help you finish your degree. We make transferring credits simple, create binge-worthy course content to keep you engaged, and design AI-powered tools to help you graduate. Welcome to the future of education. Strayer University, out with the old school. Strayer University is certified to operate by CHEF. Individual results may vary. When it comes to vein disease and those embarrassing, painful varicose and spider veins, no one is immune. Just ask three-time beach volleyball gold medalist Misty May Trainer. I was surprised to see I had vein disease. I didn't think I was old enough. I'm a working mom of three young ones and I still coach. I need my legs healthy and performing at their best. That's when Misty went to Vein Clinics of America. The doctors of Vein Clinics of America specialize in the latest laser therapies and minimally invasive treatments. It's like they turn back time. The veins they treated are completely gone and the procedure happened so fast. For over 35 years, women and men have been enjoying healthy, strong, and youthful-looking legs thanks to Vein Clinics of America, like gold medalist Misty May Trainer. Vein Clinics of America worked for me, and they can work for you, too. Call Vein Clinics of America now to see if you qualify for a free consultation. Most treatments are covered by insurance. 800-307-4200. That's 800-307-4200. 800-307-4200.